Hey friends, Andy Jenkins here. I want to put a pause on the series that I've been going through, Future Grace. Uh, I'm going to be back in it in the next episode because I want to tell you about this event that I enjoyed this week. All right, so let me give you a little bit of backstory on it, and uh, I'll start tying all this together. And throughout the time here, I'm going to refer you to several things in the show notes. In fact, let me go ahead and point you to one of them is the book Purpose. It is uh, a tool that I created a couple years ago, uh, well, over the course of a couple years, and finally punctuated and finalized last spring, which is a great story in and of itself because it comes from, this is a great thing about doing the podcast with no script whatsoever, no safety net, is you just have the opportunity to ramble. And, and I'll give you a heads up. Uh, I can't do that on the next podcast because, well, because on the podcast that I'm doing with Beth, Amplify, where we teach you how to multiply and monetize your message, you know, that's two people. That's more of kind of a, well, there's an outline. And even on the upcoming advanced podcast, y- yes, I just said it. Um, this week I've scheduled to record episodes because we are going to roll that project back out. Uh, I have some incredible new opportunities coming up there. In fact, uh, I'll tell you a little bit more about that in a little bit. I I digress. The beautiful thing about this podcast is you get all of these interjections that might drive some of you nuts. Anyway, back to the book. So Purpose came from LifeLift. LifeLift was a project where I picked up something of my dad's. And you know he really told me, he said, hey, take it to the next level. Shape it, refine it, update it. It's 20 years old. It was a tool that he used in the church that he was pastoring to help people really identify what their unique spiritual gifts are, to walk in those gifts, to see how they were designed uniquely by God. He used to use this phrase, you are a unique, unrepeatable miracle of God. I mean, it was so repeated, uh, he still uses it. And it was so inbred in each of us that I I still remember it today. And it's not even a phrase I use in my normal everyday speech, but it was something embedded in that framework of what he taught. And so I I wrote it all out, created it, and it was honestly, it, it was just a little bit long to provide you with just a little introduction to it. Now, when he had it, it was 120, 130 pages, eight and a half by 11, you know, notebook size paper. And I took it, turned it into like book, book size paper and uh, like a five and a half by eight and a half. And it was four, four little books now, you know, one on identity, uh, one on experiencing the presence of God, one on really uh, expressing the gifts that he's put on, you know, all of this. I was driving up to see my mom last year for Mother's Day. Beth was here at the house. She was sick. And she said, you know, all the kids were out. And we just decided, you know, I'm going to be resting all day. I mean, goodness, like, just go surprise your mom. So I I thought, you know, I will. I'm going to take the 90-minute drive up to Huntsville, not even tell her, drop in at the church service, go see them, and I'll just drive back. You know, that like, that'll be my Sunday and I remember as I was leaving, you know, Beth said, hey, just turn on the music and pray, enjoy it, don't rush. 
see if the Lord leads you in any way, see what he gives you. I think it'll be like a special moment, not just for you to go see your mom, but also other layers. And at that time, I'd really been wondering, how do I compress life lift in such a way that I make an introduction to help people find and fulfill their purpose? And instantly, I just kind of knew. Well, I'm driving along. I'm kind of like, oh, this is all written. I just need to extract some of the most relevant points from that book. I need to create kind of a best of the elements of that book, make it its own book, use all the videos I've already shot, put QR codes and links throughout the book where people can take these assessments and they can figure out, how does my personality fit in with this? Or does it? I think it does. How do my gifts fit into this? Or do they? I think they do. What about my talents? And so Beth had created all these online assessments to where you don't have to write it out. You can, and we give you the questions if you prefer to roll that way, but you can literally take the QR code, put it in the book, and boom, you're there. And so that book uh, really came together mentally on that trip up to Huntsville. Uh, Goodness, we're coming up on Mother's Day again and back just about a year ago. And so I was going to start promoting that when I got back. And then all of a sudden we had people hiring us to do some of their projects that kind of let us see more elements of business. It helped us really honestly refine some of our processes of publishing and promotion and courses and the Amplify material that you see rolling out now that will help you multiply and monetize your message. That all started uh, converging through that because by necessity I needed to write some of my processes. She had been encouraging me to do that for a long season and I just never really had time because I was developing things like purpose and things like uh, the soul wholeness material and advance. You know, these heart messages that I felt were mine so I never really had time to step back and then to explain to other people how to do their message, and to protect it, but also give it wings to fly. Um, That's all what Amplify does. Uh, Link to that down in the show notes. Uh, Here's why I I tell you that, is I am in this Facebook group uh, with some guys who use some of the same software that I do for my websites. They use it for their websites, some gals, some incredible women business builders in that group that use it for their websites. Uh, Some of these people are life coaches. Some of them are authors. Some of them are selling other products. Some of them are trying to develop their message. Some are teaching people how to develop their message or how to create courses or how to find their superpower, you know, whatever, whatever it is. They're all in that group. The commonality is they're using the same software. And what I found is so often you learn the most from people who are in a little bit different space because the way they're applying the tool is something that you probably haven't even thought of because you're kind of in your lane. And then you go, oh, I can borrow that from that lane over there and it'll work over here. And so that cross-pollination is very good. And you meet some great people in those groups. Well, this one group, a friend, now he's a friend, Andy Mason dropped in and he posted something several weeks ago related to his website. He has this organization, Heaven in Business. 
Okay, so he's taking ministry and he's putting it, the kingdom of God, into the business sphere. Because if God truly fills all of his people, if he inhabits us, which is what scripture says, Christ in you is your hope of glory. And if there's nowhere you can go that you get away from his presence because he is everywhere, that wraps back up to some of the episodes in the Future Grace series I've been talking about. If that's true, and if the gifts and calling of God are irrevocable, it would make sense to me if there are more people in the world that are not in the church. And I don't mean a church building. I mean connected, faith, vibrantly living it out in community. If there were more people that are not in that, it would make sense to me that God would gift more people not to run a church than he would gift people to run a church. And the people who are gifted to not run a church would be gifted to do other things in business and expressing themselves and in the arts and in culture and as creatives and as, I mean, all of the other things that we need. You know, my kids have right now uh, some top round draft pick teachers at Oak Mountain. And I, and by that, I mean high school, middle school, intermediate, well, we don't have any elementary anymore, but we had some phenomenal teachers there. They have some astounding coaches, just like I had when I was in high school. And I feel those are people who are gifted by God and placed there for a purpose. In fact, one of the coaches uh, that my boys had, he used to be a youth minister and he left it to be a coach. And he said, I can make a bigger difference in the lives of kids as a coach and as a teacher when I've got them eight hours a day, 10 hours a day during wrestling season, and sometimes on the weekends than I can when I've got them at the church when they show up one Wednesday night a week, except for during those seasons of sports and possibly on the weekend. I was like, man, that's phenomenal. So Andy has taken that same concept, Andy Mason, and he does this in business and he coaches and he leads and is starting this movement in the marketplace sector He's got training from banking. He's from New Zealand, where he was in banking. <laughs> he is moved to Redding, California, where he did some work at Bethel Church in Redding and worked with some of the top leaders there. And now he is in uh, Pennsylvania, where, where he lives with his family, uh, several kids, a wife, and is running the movement from there, well, Andy posts about his website in our Facebook group. Okay, it's a software that we, we use. Uh, Kajabi, that's the name of it. That's the brand. Um, in fact, if you're trying to build a website, I, I was one of the early adopters in that, and I can give you a free trial. There's a link in the show notes to Kajabi if you're trying to do that. And we have resources that can give you free training. We, he posts in there. Hey, I'm trying to get my message out, which he's done a phenomenal job of getting it out. Uh, uh, let me say that. And I've been thinking, this is his post, maybe I should just pay somebody to do it instead of trying to do it myself. Like I'm messing around with this tech. It was a little bit more articulate than this, but it was kind of this, uh, not angst, but just frustration of the tension of I can spend all my time doing this or I can spend my time doing the stuff I'm best at that I really love at. What do I do? Now, typically in those groups, here's what happens. And I knew it was about to happen. People in that space will pile on in a beautiful way. 
and say, I can help. I can help. I can do it. And what they're really doing is they're offering their services for sale, which is fair game. They're not being spammy. Somebody said, hey, I, I, need, I, I might need help. So in that group all the time, no, nobody, kind of the, the rule of the game is in that group, you don't post links. Hey, I want to sell my service. Hey, I want to sell this. But if somebody asks, then it's fair game in the comments for everybody to say, here's my site. I can help. That, that, I mean, it works. It's great. I reached out to him via private message. D didn't even know him. <laughs> he accepted the message. I said, hey, here's what I think. I think your message is too important. It's too powerful at this moment in time to hand over the technology. So often what I see happen is people separate the technology from the message and you can't any more than you can separate the microphone from the message of a speaker on the stage. Now, the microphone is not the message, but you don't put the microphone in the hands of someone who doesn't understand the message and doesn't know what you're trying to communicate. You see that? And so, you know, I, I responded to him. He responded back. It was this great exchange. And then, you know, finally I thought, you know, let me, I'm just going to leave you a voice text and outline this. We jumped on a phone call and talked. It, it was great. And this, you know, uh, miniature quick friendship was formed. You know, sometimes you just meet people and you go, oh, hey, uh, you, you know, you, you don't want to label it as more than it is and go, oh, I'm best buddies with this person. But you feel drawn to some people. In a certain way, sometimes that's for a season. Sometimes it's for multiple seasons. Sometimes it's for a moment. I don't know what this is, but I do know he's got an incredible message. And so I told him, I said, man, it looks like you're doing great on this. Here's what I do. I'd hold on to it right now. And so we dialogued a little bit about it, you know, on the phone. And uh, he sent me his book to where I could kind of become acquainted with what they do. And so I started reading through it. I was like, well, I'm going to read this. It is like the purpose book. It is one of those short books. Now, he's not, you know, low on content. He's got the content. But this one is, I'm flipping through, 130-ish pages long. And I want to talk to you about something I learned in this book. I, I'd seen it, but had never latched on to it. Like once 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 I read it, and this this is this is the beauty of coaches, which is what he is, and consultants, is so often they'll say something and when you step back after they've said it, it's not like they've said something that you've never heard or been exposed to before. What they've done is they have said it in a simple way where now as there's a framework, you know how to apply it you can't unsee it. They take these pieces of stuff you might have learned about before, and all of a sudden it's like, boom, there it is. Now you could, like, that's the brilliance of it is somehow they take this stuff that's so high and they don't lift it up even higher to where fewer people can understand it and it's more confusing. They take it, you've glossed over it, and they've set it down literally candy on the bottom shelf to where everybody can grab hold of it. That's what this was. So I'm reading through the book, and I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm going to read through this. We had a small group coming over one night, and so I flip through, flip through, and I get to this chapter called The Invitation. 
the, the invitation. Uh, I, I would rename the chapter. I would rename it to like 10 times more or exponential. Um, but the invitation is to that something greater. Here, here's what he says. So it goes back to the Old Testament in Daniel. You guys know the book of Daniel. You have probably heard multiple stories of Daniel. You might know about Daniel in the lion's den. He's the guy that wouldn't pray to the king. He kept praying to God, got thrown in the lion's den. The king is grieved, but then the lions don't eat Daniel. They just kind of hang out there all night. Uh, the lions are obviously hungry because the next day the king comes, pulls Daniel out, and then the lions instantly eat the guards that are rescuing Daniel. Um, you know about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and the fiery furnace. They would not bow down to the bronze statue of the king. And what is it about kings in those days? Probably the same thing about politicians today, right? Even though there are some good politicians and there were some good kings. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego get thrown in the fiery furnace and... The Bible doesn't say it's not hot. It was hot. It just says they don't get burned. And they come out, and then everyone else that pulls them out is, is burned. They're rescued through the fire, and there's a fourth happens to be in the fire with them. This is the Daniel I'm talking about. Uh, he, he was pulled in exile uh, to Babylon from Jerusalem, and because he would have been trusted in the courts of the kings. You know, you could probably put even more layers on that that we don't know about Daniel. His scripture doesn't say it's possible that all of these guys would have been emasculated because they would have been serving at a high level in the courts of the king, and they want to keep the king's bloodline pure. They want to make sure that none of the guys that have access to the harem or to the other people are messing around. I don't know. I'm saying everything for these men was flipped upside down. Everything they thought was going to be about their homeland flipped upside down. What they thought was going to be the plan for their future totally changed. The things that they might have been thought for them personally transformed. They have no power over that whatsoever. Like this is all just happening. Maybe in some sense you can relate to that. You don't know how you got to where you are and Honestly, you could look back and say some of this was decisions that I made, but a lot of this, I just kind of feel like I got slung around into. You might feel like that. So Daniel was there in the courts of the king, and he's serving. Uh, he receives three years of language, culture, governing, training in the new country. His three fellow captives, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, or if you used to watch the Veggie Tales, Rack, Shack, and Benny, I think they were cucumbers, maybe. When the king approaches them, so not just Daniel, but all of them, four of them. So this isn't just kind of a one-off uh, where, oh, well, God did it for them, but uh, yeah, it just happened for one, like lightning struck. Now, this is four different men, four different personalities. The king finds them to be 10 times better, 10 times greater in wisdom than all the magicians and astrologers in his entire realm, 10 times. I don't know how you would quantify 10 times the genius, uh, 10 times the total application, 10 times the ability 
to take high-level content and then set it out to where others could understand it. Ten times the capacity to excel not in their own framework of the religion of Judaism, but ten times better than the, capture this, the magicians and astrologers of that day. Ten times greater. I think it just means infinitely more, exponentially, significantly at a higher level. And you think, like, what would 10 times greater look like today, and what would the ramifications of that be? I mean, if you were 10 times greater, this isn't like LeBron James playing basketball, or to go back an era, Michael Jordan playing basketball, or Larry Bird playing basketball. They're not 10 times greater. They're significantly better. They stand out, but they're not 10 times. This is not Nick Saban coaching. He's significantly, and in the last years, you could say even Kirby Smart, significantly better. Uh, Dabo Sweeney has had a run significantly better than like whatever the bar is that everyone else who's excellent is operating at. I mean, no disrespect to any other NBA. No disrespect to any other college coaches. They're at an extremely high level, but there are certain ones that are at a, at a greater bump, but it's not 10 times. It's, it, it, it's even just percentage. It, it's, a, it's a bump that helps them level up. It, it's, not, it's not even double. It, it's just a bump. So think about what, and again, I get it. The person writing this story in the book of Daniel, the Bible, it's really an emphasis. You know, it might not be literal at 10 times, but he's saying it's exponentially to such a degree that everybody takes notice. And honestly, it would probably elicit a bit of jealousy. Ah, you see? Um, 10 times. That, that's what's in the book right here. It's Andy's idea, not, not mine. I'm relaying to you what I learned from him. So, you know, reading the book, you flip over, and he adds another layer to it. He puts it, just an application. Um, quote, when is one individual 10 times better than the rest, let alone four who have only just learned the language? When has there been a Fortune 500 business that is 10 times better than the rest of the highest ranking companies? We could probably think of some that are one or two times greater, but beyond that, you know, it, it's just conjecture. Like we're just thinking, well, here's the next layer. He flips all the way to the New Testament. And he's talking about John the Baptist. Now, you realize John the Baptist was a little bit unique for his day and age. Uh, whereas everybody else that's leading a religious movement would lead the religious movement probably at the synagogue or the temple in town. John goes out to the wilderness. Whereas everybody else would probably say, hey, let's look the part. Let's dress sharp. Let's make sure we can do it to where they can snap the photos for Instagram, make the reels, put it on Snapchat, share it, TikTok it, whatever. I mean, this guy, camel hair, leather belt around his waist, presumably holding the camel hair in place, eats locusts, loves wild honey. <laughs> also, his message is not 
necessarily one that you would say is seeker-friendly, politically correct. I mean, the religious leaders come out there, and he's, he's way out at the Jordan River, out of town. I mean, out of town where the children of Israel crossed over into the promised land. He's gone that far away. He's gone as far away from the center as you can get. He's at the border. And when the political leaders and the crowds who flock to him come out there, like he, he preaches at him, goes, hey, you brood of vipers. <laughs> That's what he calls the religious leaders. The tax collectors presumably come out there because he says, hey, if you're a tax collector, don't collect more than what you're supposed to collect. I mean, people are flocking to him. This is where Jesus comes and gets baptized. At some point, they're cousins. You might know that story. Uh, Mary, when she is told by the angel she's going to have a child, she goes to see her Aunt Elizabeth to stay with her. Her aunt, who was barren, is pregnant. And the baby, John the Baptist, and Elizabeth leaps in the womb when Mary walks in. Like he recognizes spirit to spirit, even in, not even in infancy, in prenatal, that there's something here. Well, Jesus is asked at some point in the ministry, in his, about John the Baptist. And he says this. Okay, again, Andy's the one that put these ideas together, not me. Assuredly, I say to you, Matthew eleven eleven. Assuredly, I say to you, among those born of women, there is not risen one greater than John the Baptist. Okay, so he's talking about people who are living under the season of law, that time period, up to that point. So Daniel and all of those men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, Rakshak, and Benny, if you have kids that used to watch VeggieTales, or if you're listening and you grew up on VeggieTales, Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, 10 times greater than all of the chief astrologers and magicians, the greatest in the realm of Babylon, which was the pinnacle of culture at that era in which they lived. Jesus says, there's no one greater born of a woman than John the Baptist. So Jesus inserts John, not at 10x above those guys, but he drops them right above them somewhere. We don't know how high. We don't know if it's just a little bump. We don't know if he's just kind of standing on their shoulders. But the implication is the wisdom and the saturation of the presence of God that was available to Daniel and saved him in the lion's den and gave him the wisdom to confound the magicians and astrologers. The boldness that he gave Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego to stand instead of kneeling when everybody else kneeled before that towering statue, and then to walk into the fiery furnace and say, hey, I'm, like it may burn us up, and this may be it, but we're not going down on our knees to the statue. If we go down, we go down burning. Or God saves us, but it doesn't matter. That boldness, that humble tenacity that was 10 times more than everyone else in the empire had, Jesus comes and he says, hey, John the Baptist right there with them. Here's how it applies to you. Jesus continues, but the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than John the Baptist. In other words, Jesus just 10X'd you. Now, Andy said this. Uh, let me fill in some more of the story. Uh, so I get this book. 
you know, I read it. I, I see this observation. I know what he's doing with his coaching organization and this movement that he's creating. And so I send him back a, a voice text and I say, hey, man, um, like I just saw your website. You guys are going to be in Birmingham. You've, you've got a workshop, you know, workshop, 50 people, something like that, coming to Birmingham. You're literally going to be two miles from my house in two weeks. So I might see, see if my schedule syncs up. It wasn't going to. I, I had a, I have an obligation um, that I'm very grateful for and a project I've been doing. Um, we've been on staff with Crosswinds Foundation for Faith and Culture for several years, and we've been working on this leader guide to help it's a, a Bible study um, be empowered that takes veterans through PTSD and moral injury and guilt and shame from the perspective of Scripture. So we've been working on that on Thursdays. And then this week, uh, Bob, founder, executive director of Crosswinds, he says, hey, Thursday, I've got tickets to the Alabama game, uh, basketball, and the tournament, the NCAA tournament. And so my wife and I are going to go. So... If it's good, let's just reschedule Thursday. So all of a sudden, my day's free. And I'm like, oh, I I can show up to this. <laughs> and so uh, I was able to attend. Now, before I attended, you know, the whole time kind of texting back and forth with Andy. Hey, we, we make and sync up schedules while you're here. Let's just kind of see what happens and maybe that'll work. I sent him a message and I said, man, is a voice text. I said, if this is true, and if we're wanting to see God break out in business and businesses in this way and bless businesses in such a way to where people are operating at the capacity of heaven in the business place, in the marketplace, in those fears, then I believe that your coaching organization needs to be the proving ground, the testing ground, like prove it. And I didn't mean like, oh, go perform and do it. I meant like to prove something means, hey, test it, try it. Like, let's 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 show people, hey, this works. This can happen. The same wisdom from heaven, if you're 10X, can work for this. And if it works in this coaching organization, this organization can help you operate your business, your nonprofit, your ministry, whatever it is, at the same capacity of heaven. You see? So that dialogue starts going on. I made it to the event. We're talking yesterday. And he says, you know, this 10X thing, I'm realizing it's not 10X of what I can do. Like God doesn't want to 10X me. So often we think like, oh, well, I'm going to 10X me. It's not that. It's even more. Like Daniel and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were 10X of the greatest in the land. So it's like more than you could... Here's what Ephesians says, Ephesians 3, 19 and 20, that he's able to do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ask, think, or imagine. Because the truth is you might not be able to imagine what the greatest school teacher can do. But imagine if God could 10x that capacity for you. You might not be able to comprehend what the greatest coach could do. But imagine if God could give you that capacity to lead your squad of high school athletes 
10x that. You, you might not realize what the greatest banker could do or the best lawyer could do or the best restaurateur or chef or farmer or builder or real estate investor or stock market player or whatever it is inventor consultant could do but you imagine the point is there's so much more and then you dial down to it and you go well goodness Jesus comes along after doing every thing that he did to quote the book here page 38 jesus did phenomenal signs and wonders he turned water into wine he multiplied resources he obtained gold from the mouth of a fish and demonstrated power over the natural elements what would you do for that kind of power in your business think of the profitability of a restaurant that feeds five thousand plus people with a handful of ingredients and has a full pantry at the end what if you were a commercial fisherman and you harvested fish and gold coins at the same time, but without needing a fish finder? How about a water bottling company that miraculously became a boutique, high-end winery, but without grapes? What if your business were calming storms or bringing rain that ended drought? Jesus also, here's where it's important, it's not just money and resource, even though in the Old Testament, Isaac sowed in the year of a famine and reaped a hundredfold in the year of a famine. And somehow we think these are just Bible stories, but the implication is maybe also for today. Jesus also had a profound effect on the people he interacted with. The people. He transformed corrupt officials into generous benefactors like Zacchaeus. He healed the crippled and the insane. It's like the woman with the issue of blood and the man by the pool of Siloam that was crippled and the wild man in the tombs, the gatherings. He gave detailed insight into people's lives to help them feel accepted and to bring them closer to grace like the woman at the well. He predicted his future with precision. And then having completely demonstrated what one person can do fully clothed with the presence and power of God. Okay, reading right here. This phenomenal son of God and man of God declares you. You will do greater things. Ah, you see, what, what does that mean? It means we move from just understanding the principles of God, values, morality, honor, integrity, sincerity, the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, patience, kindness, meekness, gentleness, peace, self-control. We move from those. Keep them. We don't eliminate. We don't get rid of. We keep that and go farther to the power of God, the supernatural power of, of the gifts that are placed inside of you that are irrevocable. I talk about those in the purpose book and there's free assessments you can take right there, at least just to confirm and get you started in the right direction. The link is in the show notes. So we, we move from the principles. We take those principles with us. We don't, we don't leave them. We just add to the power of God. We take that, keep it, add to, and sincerely just dwell in and acknowledge the presence of God that wants to infuse 
every area of life. And you go, well, where is it? Like, where, like, how do I go find it? Well, scripture says there's nowhere you can go from it. <laughs> Can't leave it. Psalms 139, there's nowhere I can go from your presence. And then Colossians 1 says, it's Christ in you. His presence literally fills you. That presence is your hope of glory. It's also a competitive advantage everywhere you go. Whether it's in church, it's in home, it's in business, it's parenting, it's coaching, it's doing the errands, it's seeing the neighbors, it's cooking out. It literally 10Xs the best of the best of the best. May He do through you exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask, think, or imagine. Put some links down in the show notes for you below. That's what I learned, what I took from the book, from the event yesterday, from uh, interacting with this man last night at dinner and some of the friends that were there. I'll see you in the next episode. We'll get back to talking about future grace.